Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation. I'm James Coyle. I'm an internal evaluator here in Canada with a large regional health authority. And I'm Kylie Hutchinson. I'm an external evaluator working as a consultant, uh, although on temporary assignment as an internal evaluator in Africa. I can't wait till we get to do a podcast together where Adventures in Evaluation has the Out of Africa podcast for you, Kylie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to tell you, this place has been learning central for That's me. That's awesome. It, yeah, yeah. It's... Um, you, uh, you know, sometimes I just marvel at the fact that I, I had to come to Africa to really have this kind of kickstart of my career that I, I think had, had been, you know, humming along happily in Canada. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, here I've mentioned before, I'm doing like the best, most interesting, most complex evaluation I've ever done in my career. And I had to come to Africa to do it. And That's it's awesome. just been so rewarding. So, you know, at some point, I'll, I'll really dish a lot of the details. But um, in terms of last week, I had, um, we've got some mobile data collection that I think I've mentioned for mm-hmm. you, yeah. to you that we're, we're doing it offline. And um, I've been using this great program from USAID. Uh, USAID, and it's been developed by RTI, and it's called Tangerine, and it's used for, it's custom designed for measuring literacy and numeracy in children around the world. And for the first three weeks, I hated <laughs> this program. What? I hated it. Why? Uh, well, because uh, it looked, it seemed like it had all these bugs and it was taking a minute for a scr- each screen to refresh as I was programming it online and uh, I, I just you know but I kept sticking with it because a it was custom designed for the type of data that I'm collecting and also it was free and you know mobile data collection and offline mobile data collection is becoming more more of a of an option for evaluators but the offline portion costs money you have to have one of those kind of advanced or those professional premium subscriptions mm-hmm. and um, with this tool it was free so I thought no you know I persevered with it well it turned out um, and this was an important learning for me and maybe for other people we were using a really crappy tablet uh, we were using some cast offs that they gave me at work because I kind of said look I really want to explore this idea of mobile data collection and somebody said oh well you can use these ones in the corner (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and it turns out the processor wasn't strong enough and so I finally uh, said look I need some really better quality ones and uh, we didn't have any budget to go out and buy Samsung galaxies or anything like that Um, but what we did get was a a nice little uh, tablet that uh, is affordable It, it costs about $80 I think when when you buy it in bulk Mm. The mic and the processor on it is quite fast, and all of a sudden, within a day, all of my problems disappeared. The the software works fabulous, um, and what I've found, I just did some preliminary calculations um, compared to data collection that we did in October. So I'm I'm doing right now. I'm collecting data on about a thousand school pupils. Um, 
and an equal number of parents. We've already saved about $1,300 US in terms of over with photocopying costs and data entry costs. And I haven't even calculated my enumerators that are out in the field. They're they're much faster. I mean, they're they're doing 100 kids and or more a day now with these little tablets, and they're offline. They work offline. Um, at the end of the day, we um, collect the tablets. I go back uh, to, well, I go back to my boss's place because he has the fastest bandwidth. My boss um, here in Zambia, he started the first internet service provider in Zambia. Well, that's good. So help. he's got, yeah, so he's got his own tower <laughs> on his okay. house, which is right next door to us. Sure, bor- so, should have borrowed his tablets. Yeah, well, actually, that's where I worked for him, so that's where I got ah. the tablets eventually. Um, but I go home, I download the data off of each individual tablet, uh, charge it. I've got a charging station with 12 little, um, uh, I've got a power bar with 12 uh, plugs, basically. Little docking stations or something. Thank you, thank you. And then um, we're off to the races again the next day. So data data collection has been streamlined. And what was really interesting was we did a training with um, my enumerators, and these are uh, university students who do it um, before university starts and in their off time. And they picked it up, and the slowest person, the fastest person picked it up in five minutes. The slowest person picked it up in 20 minutes. I mean, it was just, you know, they're that generation. And you can see where I'm, I use my, my index finger, you know, point, 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 point. Well, they, they just picked it up and started thumb texting right away, right? They just, they, they just got it in a second. And the other thing that I'll tell you, and, and I might have mentioned this already, um, I made a connection with uh, the M&E person for World Vision here. And I was just telling her this. She said that they've been doing mobile data collection on phones since 2002. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's um, that's my week, James. Uh, and sorry well, to monopolize you know it. No, no, that's fine. What's nice to hear is a success because uh, I know you've had a lot of challenges. Like you said, it's been a complex and uh, really, you know, a stretch assignment in a, in a different culture. And so it's great to hear that. It wasn't the software, and eventually, yeah, you can't blame everything on software. Sometimes it's the hardware, and when it when it finally gets going and it's really smooth, uh, I think almost anybody listening to this podcast who collects data can empathize. I mean, it's a small sort of, uh, you know, whoop-de-doo data collection story, but no. To those of us who have to slog, those of us who worry about transcription errors and all those kinds of things, uh, and those of us who actually use modern equipment, we want to see more of this. We want to see it work well. And so, no, that's a good news story. It's great. Well, and, and also, because this is a pilot, and for anybody doing a pilot, you quickly need to show evidence that that investment right. in those tablets is, is worthwhile, right? And, yeah, actually, uh, so. I think you, I saw a tweet you did about that, just to sort of cost savings. So that's got to help, especially since you probably had to push, push or nudge a little bit to get to better yeah. uh, equipment. Yeah. So tell me about your week quickly. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> week, I guess I've sort of officially, uh, I'm still clutching to the aloha I had from my uh, vacation experience, still uh, strumming my ukulele on the uh, side. <laughs> but um, no, it's been it's been really busy. Uh, issues this week uh, range from uh, everything um, uh, such as 
having to canvas all sorts of organizations about whether or not they actually have a policy and or guidelines on um, uh, patient experience surveys. Uh, of course, there's lots of you know literature on how to do surveys and and lots of things uh, around the ethics of, of that. But um, seems like we don't have anything officially in place in, in, in our province, so we're thinking about pulling that together. Along the same lines, um, uh, there's a tool that maybe we can talk about this another time as well, is this Arecki tool. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, I love Arecki, and um, I've actually done the workshop, so I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, yeah our organization is bringing that in. It's um, an Alberta, uh, Canada-based uh, uh, software that was, I mean, I knew it from research uh, days, um, but it's uh, it's an online software. Uh, we'll talk more about it in another podcast and, and share all the resources on it. But our organization's thinking of officially sort of endorsing and adopting it. My team's already used it for evaluation, but a lot of my brethren in quality improvement um, really see uh, a need to want to sort of, you know, uh, put that in place uh, across a whole spectrum of, of services. So that's uh, uh, an interesting and busy piece of work. And then uh, I guess the other the other big thing that uh, I've started to work on are some um, in preparing some new people uh, for their transition into evaluation. And one of the topics that sort of come up with the seasoned evaluator this week, who was you know talking or thinking back to when they got into evaluation, was that it wasn't the hard skills, and you've talked about this as well. It wasn't the statistical skills. It wasn't the data uh, crunching skills. They already had that. It was the soft skills. And particularly um, the issue around facilitation, facilitating groups uh, to, you know, develop a logic model, facilitating groups to even start uh, the conversation about what are their evaluation questions, just managing groups, those dynamics, the politics uh, and everything that comes along with it. And I guess knowing um, you've you've taken quite a um, a shine to uh, facilitation, you're good at it, uh, you like talking about it. I wondered if maybe we could explore that a bit okay. today. Yeah. Sorry, my, my daughter just ran in. She she's making breakfast and she sliced her 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 finger and <laughs> So do you want to facilitate a safe uh healing or a podcast or both? No, because the true working mom that I am, I look at her and go, Go do your dad. Oh, there you go. That's good facilitation. So yeah, you facilitation. Know, you know, the yeah, issue go- really is so people can they learn how to facilitate better well you know it's interesting i want to go back to something that you said that you know i'm a good facilitator and i got to tell you james i'm i'm not really that great a good facilitator i'm a good trainer and i learned along the way that uh there's a difference between facilitation and training a well, big difference let's talk about and for that. me well for me um I, and i i Absolutely, emphatically agree that um, facilitation is, a, I'd say it's a core skill of an effective an evaluator. Um, to me, uh, training is a known. Training you have, if you're doing training properly, you've got a lesson plan, you know, you've got um, very clear learning outcomes, and you're putting your people through uh, a series of paces, right? Facilitation for me is the great unknown and it's when anything can happen and you've got, um, you, you know, you've got, you, again, you've got some outcomes for the session, but uh, it's entirely unpredictable and uh, between A and B, there's this big kind of 
an unknown part where all you have are a bag of tricks to help you get through it, but you don't know which one you're going to use it and how. And when I first started facilitating, I used to map it out like like a, a, a training session. And I learned really quickly that if if things aren't going, you know, if, if things go in a different direction, you, you've got to drop that script and you've got to go where the group goes. And that's where I'm not that great. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's kind of like somebody takes away the safety net and you're flying. And I, I don't really kind of like that. And so um, I've learned over my career never to bill myself as a facilitator. I'm quite happy to bill myself as a trainer. But if as a facilitator, I think... I think true facilitators have much better people skills than me. <laughs> um, and and I'll, I'll give you another example. I did a, an evaluation once with a woman that, that I, I brought her in, particularly because of her experience with youth and also with community development. And we sat down with a meeting with a, uh, with, with the client and um, the, with actually a number of staff people from the program. And when we finished that meeting, she started commenting on about all sorts of kind of politics that were like the undercurrent mm-hmm. and I was oblivious I was oblivious to all of them and I realized oh yeah this is not my strength I'm an evaluator I'm a very linear thinker and I'm you know I've got my 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 mind is focused on the outcomes of this meeting of this session whatever and she was just so much more adept at picking up that stuff so I think um uh, so that's formal facilitation, right? When somebody says, can you, can you facilitate this session where we need to do some consensus building? We need to, to come up with something. Now, um, uh, and sorry, I realize I'm hogging the mic. Uh, so I don't want to scare people off and, and I don't want to kind of say that I don't ever do facilitation, but I don't kind of bill myself doing it professionally. Now, the examples that you gave about facilitating people to do a logic model yes definitely and I think there's a few kind of techniques every evaluator should have in their bag of tricks so that they can facilitate without billing themselves as a facilitator so I listen I appreciate the uh, honesty of that Uh, I, I know you've talked often about the importance of learning facilitation skills it sounds like like most of us, um, you know, you uh, don't overplay that. And, and at the same time, I'm, I'm just uh, reflecting on the question I got around, well, if I'm going to need to learn facilitation skills, you know, what does that look like? What is it I need to learn? And, and you actually mentioned one of the ones that, um, for, for those who are familiar with the Canadian Evaluation Society and its uh, core competencies, this falls under 5.6. If you're not familiar with the core competencies, go back, <laughs> go back to a previous Jeez. podcast. Oh, James, I think you're so great. <laughs> I love the way <laughs> you're like the Valley librarian. What would we do without you? Well, um, I, I, well I'll try and pull it together. Um, and so one of the ones you mentioned uh, under that particular competency is building consensus. Uh, other yeah. ones include debriefing, uh, generating a simulation. We all know brainstorming, or we think we do. We can talk a bit more about uh, some uh, interesting research um, Jamie Gamble, Canadian evaluator, uh, introduced to a group uh, about a year ago on brainstorming, uh, role-playing, and, and using more sophisticated things like the Delphi technique to, to get uh, you know, uh, consensus or agreement. But the other facets to this competency for evaluators include, and, and you've touched on these, employing open and honest dialogue, 
Sometimes you have to try and find a way to motivate others for whatever, you know, to whatever end. I mean, positive end, not, you know, malicious. Um, and then uh, three more, integrating uh, diverse perspectives. So you've got a table full of different people uh, and they're not always on the same page. How do you how do you bring that together or, or you know, have a focus group or whatever your method is and, and draw those out? Uh, dealing with challenging dynamics. You've mentioned that one. That is another key thing to reflect on. And last but not least, um, uh, trying to reach sustainable decisions. So um, all of these are, you know, very sort of fancy um, uh, elements. But what I found helpful, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, is it's such a varied field and, and such a varied opportunity to try and facilitate any number of things. Having a list like this is sort of helpful for me to break it down because then when I'm working with someone or myself, I can say, okay, what is it particularly that I need to facilitate? And then can I go to the respective expert or a resource that'll help me, for example, uh, brainstorm better? Uh, or I need to motivate a group to, to uh, uh, improve their evaluative thinking. How do I do that? So I need to get a bit more specific because the term facilitation is, is so broad, I find anyway. And and kind of intimidating, I think, too, uh -huh. in 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 our in our uh, in our field. So, yeah, I've been kind of scribbling a bunch of notes there as you've been talking. So, um, two other kind of instances where I think facilitation really comes to the fore and are are, are absolutely critical um, is when we talk about having a results briefing or a data party uh, when you've got your your uh, your initial findings and you sit down with the people that you evaluated and, you know, say, this is what right. we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and you talked about sustainable recommendations or something like that, sustainable directions. Um, that is, that is so critical that uh, you, you don't know how those data parties, and I, I love that word. Um, you don't know how they're going to go. Sometimes I've gone in just absolutely tickled with the results that I found and, and, um, and, you know, the staff are appalled and they're like, what? what? We didn't do that. I didn't say that. And, you know, really caught me off guard. And then you've got to have some really interesting negotiation skills. Now, those are negotiation mm -hmm. skills about, you know, what stays in the report, what doesn't, how right. does this recommendation get reporting? But um, the other one is uh, focus groups. And you mentioned focus groups. Mm -hmm. And I think for the, for the evaluator that's a little bit intimidated or nervous about facilitation, think about sometimes... Um, bring some of the natural focus group moderation skills that you have facilitation is a little bit like like that it's certainly a starting point but i i've had a couple focus groups i can think of one in particular um oh here comes the bandaged finger honey i'm doing a podcast what's up <laughs> it, it looks okay 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 no sweetie i can't wait can you talk about okay well go tell your dad there's no milk and what's he doing? We'll get him out of bed. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no worries. So, okay. Sorry. Sorry, folks, uh, about that. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. So, okay. Particularly interesting focus group I was doing in the downtown east side of Vancouver with um, injection drug users and women who were sexually exploited or, or sex, sex trade workers. And they started going at each other. There was one woman who was kind of hogging the space. <laughs> the other women would be saying things like, shut up. <laughs> things 
like that. And so I had to use uh, a little bit of facilitation to make sure, okay, that everybody's getting heard around the table, right? But but what, without, um, you know, facilitation is all about not shutting somebody down, but making sure that everybody else has a voice, right? Well, it, yeah, it's really about trying to bring, you know, and again, I'm, I'm stealing from the competencies. You're trying to actually bring um, different participants into the conversation you want to make sure you have an accurate representation of the focus group by getting everybody's voice in there. Um, and you need to do it in a way that's fair. Uh, you don't want to be biased, even if you don't like talkative Tom or you find Debbie the downer, you know, kind of irritating. You have to kind of get neutral about that or, you know, manage that bias and still facilitate. Yeah, that's correct. And so, you know, we've been alluding to resources up until now. So um, I have a couple of ideas. And the first one um, is a, a book that I highly, highly recommend. Now, you know me, James. I, I don't fall asleep at night reading evaluation textbooks like some people I know and I'm very impressed with. Um, but this is a book that is written um, – Dare I say it's almost like a picture book and it's it's big and it's thick, but you you whip through it in about two hours because um, it basically uses diagrams for facilitation or very broad kind of PowerPoint slides. And of course, the name of it escapes me, but the author is a fellow called Sam Kaner, and I will put the link up uh, with this podcast. But this is one of those books that you have on your bookshelf, and uh, it's very well thumbed because whenever I have to do a session where I know that there's going to be some, you know, off the deep end, could go anywhere facilitation, I pull it down and I just read it on the way um, if I'm on the bus or something. And it's such a great refresher because you just kind of look at the pictures and go, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we're going to go into the grown zone. And, you know, and then it lists um, it, it gives you some very basic techniques. Uh, and it's just a lovely book that you can look at, refer to repeatedly and uh, remind yourself. So that's the first one. Um, a second resource is that if people look uh, carefully in their area uh, under, the tame, under the term facilitation or group facilitation or something like that, they may, they may find some courses at their, at their local community college or something. I know here in Vancouver, uh, we regularly have some. And they, they often have, dare I say, kind of new age names. Names, you know, like the fine art of dancing the curb or, you know, I, I don't know. But um, you just made that up. You just totally I made did. that up. <laughs> I did. I did. I pulled the James. <laughs> and you know what? If that's a real book, we're going to get a lot of trouble from somebody. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of read through the lines. And, you know, if they're if they're put on by Thunder Woman or something like that, then you might need to be a little bit um, careful. <laughs> What? what? Earth is well, you know, well, you know, I'm thinking of they're always put on at Hollyhock. So for those of you that don't know, there's um, an island um, in outside off the coast of British Columbia. There's an island called Cortez, and they have this absolutely wonderful retreat center called Hollyhock. Oh yeah. And um, so it, it, it's often a course that's uh, put on at Hollyhock, but sometimes the environmental network here um, has to use environmentalists have to use a lot of facilitation skills. Uh, so they're always a good source. So they have a, it's, it's, oh, I have to see what the, it's called. But anyways, I will try and find some links of some typical facilitation 
um, courses, and I'll put those up for people as well. Not that they have to come to, not that they have to come to BC, but I tell you, if you go to Hollyhock, oh my gosh, it's such a wonderful place to spend a week. Um, so that's the third one, or that's the second one. Um, the third one is uh, one of my favorite uh, kind of resources for learning, and it's just watching really good people in action. And um, I don't know, James, I don't really have any ideas of how you can find that facilitator. There is, um, I think there's an international or a national or American facilitators organization, so I'll put some of those links up, but I would probably search that and see uh, sometimes they have trainings as well that go on and then... If there's, if you know somebody in your in your city who's who's known as being a really good facilitator, then uh, call them up and just say, "Can I be a fly on the wall?" Because um, you know I've heard that you're really good, and I I'd, I'd like to pick up some skills from you. So you know that's a good example of a bit of a difference I think between you and I um, from an internal and external perspective. As an internal evaluator in a larger organization, one of the benefits I have is often. They, they, you know, there's courses internally that we, we get to take um, that have to do with facilitation. But more than that, we often have, um, and you know, for the novice evaluator who's in a large organization doesn't know this, is um, you should find out if you have an organization uh, or an organizational development office or some sort of learning and development office where you usually have these consultants who specialize in facilitating and doing other kinds of work as well. Um, in an organization like ours, sometimes if they need an arm's length or neutral person, um, and maybe someone who doesn't even have content knowledge, but to come in and uh, facilitate a session with senior executives or different stakeholders, or if you just want to get tips about uh, a session you want to facilitate, there's often a number of uh, people, just like who you said, who, who have these skills that are already embedded in your organization. So in our case, we may not need to go outside. In some cases, you do. And uh, yeah. so that, that's one, one difference. In our case, um, being in healthcare as I am, a lot of times um, we look at some of the, um, particularly around nursing theory, some of the, uh, the writing and evidence that relates to getting evidence into practice. And, um, you know, like, like you said, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll find some different resources, but there's a lot of good papers, um, books, and, 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 and things in, in uh, different journals that give nice overviews of the kind of role a facilitator plays. So I guess I would say if, if you don't know uh, what facilitation is or you haven't given it much thought, um, do some reading on it and kind of figure out where you want to brush up. And maybe, I don't know, do you think you shine in one area? Do you know, is there a kind of facilitation that you actually think, no, I, I, I'm really strong Oh, that? yeah. Oh, yeah, that's such a good question, James, because um, when people do ask me to do facilitations because they've used me before, if anybody asks me new, I'll just refer them to something, somebody else. And that's been a really nice thing. You know, uh, you know, some of you who are independent consultants as well will remember those for that first year or so when you said, yes, to any contract that was offered, right? Oh, yeah, I facilitate, no problem. <laughs> No problem that you put down the phone and go, ah! <laughs> so um, what, I've, what I've found is that if a group, uh, like facilitation that's kind of involved with maybe strategic planning where there's a very concrete end, uh, a product, a decision that needs to be made, I am much better at doing that with kind of really kind of the harder 
tangible kind of outcomes as opposed to uh, if people want to do consensus building or, um, you know, we need to determine our values as an organization, then I run really quickly the other way because I, I just, that's just not something I'm skilled at. But again, not to intimidate the newbie. If you, if you feel like you really need to develop some uh, facilitation skills, what I've found is if you have, if you can really just hone three or four group techniques and you get to them to the point where um, they're instinctual, they're always in your back pocket, you don't need to read a recipe or, or anything like that, then you'll be fine. Because uh, when I first started doing facilitation, again, I had this recipe, right? I almost had this lesson plan and I was like, now we do this, now we do this, now we do this. And I used to be terrified what happens if we go off script, right? Oh, or what right. if we cut Right. Um, And nowadays, if, uh, you know, I've got a rough idea of how things are going to go, but if we go off script, I've got these three or four techniques that are applicable in many situations. And um, I'm not, I don't panic as as much. I'm more present uh, and I'm I'm more attentive to the discussion. And I'm less worried about what we do next as opposed to what is being discussed here. And uh, so, yeah. So one of the most interesting um, things that I've observed and, you know, um, he who the evaluator, he who shall remain nameless, who knows who he is, um, <laughs> who weirdly enough, I was watching George Carlin this week and I was thinking, boy, there's a sure a similarity there in appearance. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the language use. Uh, okay. Anyway, major so tangent. George Carlin. George yeah. Carlin, the, the evaluator. Yeah, that's right. Rest, may, may, that, may George rest in peace. So one <laughs> of the things that was interesting when you watch the masters and you're part of the group that's being facilitated, because I like being on the other end of that too, is just, and as you said, and I've gotten maybe more relaxed with that as I've gotten older or just seen that sometimes I need to sit back and let the group kind of manage themselves, take a little ownership for what's going on as well. Um, I'm surprised sometimes at what looks like a very light hand, and and yet um, the conversation you know seems under facilitated, and yet as the kind of clock moves on and on, and we're maybe not low on time, but you know the meeting's sort of you know getting to its uh, final chapter. So uh, the group, whether it was going off on tangents or not having infighting, but a bit of a debate on something. It kind of runs out of options and, and comes to its own conclusion or um, the person who's facilitating has listened so carefully that they ask just the right question or two. Yeah. And yeah. I'm always astonished to see it's usually these old masters who are able to make it look so effortless and not have to, you know, sweat it and, and, and do all this redirection. I guess in my own way, I would say I've tried to encourage others um, who are newer to this to sometimes uh, let it be okay to go off the agenda a little bit. Make sure you find a graceful way to bring it back. And sometimes you need need to table uh, items. I, I don't know if that's uh, the comfort you, you you were sort of speaking to. Oh, that that is so true. And um, it's really one of those situations where less is more. And um, Sam Kaner in this book, he calls it the groan zone. And, you know, it's where nobody's agreeing and nothing's, you know, everything's a mess. And he teaches you in this book to be comfortable with the groan zone. And then, you know, he gives you some techniques for for bringing it into 
an area of clarity where you can actually achieve something. So, um, yeah, but I think um, this, you know, this whole thing are good managers born or made or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure um, about that. I when I see the masters in action, I think, oh, you are so good. You know, I can read as many books, but I'll never be as as good as you. Um, but for the evaluator who is not super touchy feely, but finds themselves needing needing to do facilitation, mm-hmm. um, I I think it is something that you can get. Um, you know, moderately good at, and mm-hmm. and make no make no mistake, James. That facilitation is not kind of an option for evaluators. I really think it's an essential skill, and um, in, particularly if you're doing any form of participatory or collaborative evaluation or empowerment evaluation, it's absolutely essential. Um, and even if you're not doing those kinds. Uh, it, it, it's still it's still extremely important, and I, you know I've just given myself an idea. We've been talking about resources, and in June the Canadian Evaluation Society will be holding their conference in Toronto, and they've got a call for proposals for workshop proposals, and the woman who is doing that is a woman called Dana Albert, and so if anybody knows a particularly good trainer in facilitation, they might um, see if that person wants to submit a workshop proposal, and I'm going to talk to Dana about that because I think this would be a great workshop for somebody to put on, and likewise for the AEA conference, um, you know, given that it is a really important soft skill, um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's a venue. Yeah, no, I, it definitely is one of those things that it's, uh, I learn more to watch others do it, and and, uh, and to be honest, watch others do it sometimes very poorly. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's watching a panel discussion on TV and you just see it sinking fast, um, you know, saved by the commercial and nothing else. Um, or people do it well. So I was going to mention, um, too, that in addition to some of these links uh, and, and maybe some references to Sam Kaner's work, I know Roger Schwartz has done a, a couple books, Skilled Facilitator. And there, there's quite a few. We'll, we'll put a few up. One of the other ones I wanted to mention um, is another bit of work that um, uh, is sort of forefront in my mind uh, is uh, to do with the ability to facilitate um, you know, intercultural discussions or facilitate, and in our case, in a, a culturally uh, responsible and competent uh, way. And um, so that's actually some training um, that, uh, you know, I've got a personal interest in that um, as we, we work with different cultures, particularly um, some of our First Nations uh, groups here in BC. Uh, but I'm going to take some training in, in, in education in that this year. And I see that there's uh, definitely some federal Canadian uh, uh, documents we can we can post. Uh, I'll be interested to hear from others who uh, some of our listeners what some of their favorite facilitation um, stories, learnings, or, or resources are. Yeah, that's a good point. And and you know, James, you're right. We didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg with cultural competence and all of that stuff. So um, future yeah, podcast. Definitely future podcast and I'm just making a note of that so uh, it's quarter to seven here and I've got to get a, a family out the door and off to work and school so maybe we should wrap this up is that okay oh yeah you should definitely see if uh, anybody's lost a finger if your husband's out of bed and uh, make, <laughs> make sure all uh, all of your uh, electronic uh, data collection devices are accounted for that's right yeah 
So listen, okay. everybody who's listening, um, thank you again, as always, for listening. And if you want to reach us, you can contact Kylie or myself or both of us together uh, at uh, our email, adventuresinevaluationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your email uh, thoughts, uh, your your uh, letters of support, your suggestions for topics, or your words of protest. Uh, we will take all of those. Um, the other way to reach us, of course, is to go to our website, uh, adventuresandevaluation.podbean.com. And there you can either post a, a comment in the box or uh, click on the Contact Us button there, too. So, Kylie. <laughs> yeah. What's so James, funny? I was just... Well, I was just going to say that you're so good at that, that, you know, I can see all of a sudden you spinning out into a new career as a late night radio host. I don't <laughs> think, so I, don't, I don't know if radio is the future, Kylie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well, some of us still listen to the BBC. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. No, I love, I yeah. love, my, I love my radio. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. have a great uh, rest of your week and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. You too. Bye, James. Take care.